Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine, remembered with Nasser Mashni, Robert Martin, and Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi. We'd like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. Remembered is Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause in English language. And uh, today we are going to speak on the telephone with Professor Emeritus Stuart Rees. So stay with us and enjoy the episode. Stuart Rees is Professor Emeritus at the University of Sydney, former Professor of Social Work and Social Policy. He was the co-founder and inaugural director of the University's Centre for Peace and Conflict Studies and founder of Sydney Peace Foundation. He has been a human rights activist in several countries and in 2005 was awarded the Order of Australia for Services to International Relations. Um, thanks again, uh, Stuart, for joining us. It's a real pleasure to host you today. No, no, that's, it's great to talk to you. Fantastic. Now, now, Stuart, you, your career has been long and varied, and you know you've been awarded a, an Australian Medal for your efforts. Uh, you're an emeritus professor of the Centre for Peace and Conflict Studies. Can you take us through that and, and the genesis of? Well, that? yeah. Look, I mean, the Centre for Peace and Conflict Studies was uh, created something like thirty years ago now because we wanted to. Uh, study peace with justice as much as, um, you know, economics or history. Um, And so I became the inaugural director, and then I I actually resigned and was succeeded by my colleague Jake Lynch about five years ago. Um, And, uh, look, I'm a professor emeritus now. Some people think emeritus means distinguished. It actually means old. (laughs) 
Well, I, look, I, I, know, I, I know the first time that uh, I stumbled upon your work, and you've been a long-time human rights ad- activist and an author, but, but certainly your work with the Sydney Peace Foundation and the Sydney Peace Prize, um, and particularly with the uh, challenge around awarding the prize to Hanan Ashrawi. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the real... We'd always, we'd always had uh, an easy passage with, you know, famous people who, like Archbishop Tutu and Mary Robinson, who weren't whom the, even the conservatives clapped at that. But when we chose a Palestinian, as you may remember, then all hell was let loose. And um, that was the first time that we were really tested in terms of what we stood for. And, um, and my view at the time was, you know, I was told we would lose the 200000 we had in the bank if we persisted with Hanan. And I... <laughs> And I said, I don't care if we have only one cent left. If we give up on this, we'll stand for nothing. So that was that was the real test for us. And I think, in a way, the identity of the foundation um, has been affected by that ever since. Well, fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I know for Palestinians, you know, the world over, not just in Australia, applauded you and, and the Centre for, for Holding Firm. I know you came under a lot of pressure. You know, the, the Zionist lobby really worked all the way through up to Bob Carr. Oh, yeah, no, they, um, I mean, they're still at it. <laughs> of course. I mean, the, even over this article in the past few days, they're um, uh, desperate to tell me that the last letter I got about an hour ago was that Israel has never taken any land from anybody. I mean, the, the ability to <laughs> tell so lies and be swallowed whole by Malcolm Turnbull and Julie Bishop is amazing. Well, we should we should mention the article, Stuart. It's disbelief over Palestine, cowardice, cruelty, and Netanyahu. And uh, listeners can uh, get that at newmatilda.com. So disbelief over Palestine, cowardice, cruelty, and Netanyahu. Do you want to take us through uh, the premise of the the article? Well, I mean, I think the um, the the treatment of the Palestinians in Gaza, on the West Bank, and in the myriad refugee camps is one of the world's greatest and most persistent inhumanities, and that any politician in Canberra can, can, uh, can merely accept the cruelty uh, demonstrates how cowardly they are, that any politician in Canberra can still be intimidated by the Israeli lobby is, is, um, is a mark of shame on them. And so... Um, you know, I think it, the whole thing has got to end. We, in a way, I wish that a printed copy of that article was on the desk of every member of, par- of the federal parliament uh, tomorrow morning. But I'm not very good at um, <laughs> distributing that material. I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners, if they wanted to download it and print it, we, we would love to support them in that action. It's a great idea. Um, now, Stuart, I mean, the start of the article, you talk about um, uh, Julia Bishop her opposition to the UN Resolution 2334. And as listeners know, on Christmas Eve, it passed 14-0 and with the US abstaining. Can you talk to us about Australia's position and where we are now in the world community with respect to Palestine Israel? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, Australia has demonstrated what a coward it is because here's this resolution at last because the Americans abstained um, being passed by the UN Security Council, supported by Britain, France... Uh, uh, Russia, China. I mean, it wasn't uh, um, proposed, incidentally, by by our, our wonderful neighbour, New Zealand. And 
what does cowardly Australia do but say they would have voted against it? Um, now, Australia's record is <laughs> on, on, uh, on that, with the one exception when Bob Carr made the Labour Party, the Labour government, abstain on the recognition of Palestine, as I record, or the give, giving Palestine observer status. But otherwise, our record has been a disgrace. Can, can, can I just ask, just quickly, I don't want to assume that people know about the UN resolution. Can you just do a, um, give us a simple explanation of what it means? Well, what it, what it means is that, uh, uh, that international law, passed from 1948 onwards, has at last been recognised in a Security Council resolution, which says that the um, Israeli government, successive Israeli governments, stealing of Palestinian lands is a violation of international law. That's what it said. It merely at last underlined the rules of international law, which, were met, which have always been meant to give some sort of uh, civility to the way we conduct relationships. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's like me coming down and you know, viewing uh, NASA's uh, home and garden and saying, you know, it looks rather nice, I think I'll have that. And, and NASA not having any, not, uh, any recourse to, you know, to get it back. Well, it's I, absurd I when you put it that way. It, it's one of those things I think a lot of people think it's so absurd that it can't be true. But when you yep. explain it like that, it is as blatant. And the fact that the UN have actually, it was, it's not insinuated, it's a clear-cut decision that it's against international law. And then our politicians have the audacity to say that it was one-sided. Because yep. no, I read that in your article too, which I just thought was brilliant. Yeah, so. and it's, uh, I, mean, that you're, I mean, I like your phrase, the, the, the notion that the politicians and the public who follow them and, their, and, and the mainstream media people say, quote, it can't be true, unquote, when it's, you know, it's manifestly true. Mm. It, it brings us really, uh, we, don't, we don't need to discuss it this evening, into, into all the accusations about fake news. Uh, Stuart, uh, we're going to take uh, a break, but we will continue uh, after the, the break and we will uh, be very keen to hear your reflections on uh, peace and justice in Palestine. So uh, okay. stay with us, please. I look forward to that. Thank you again for being with us today. My, my pleasure. Now, Stuart, in the article you talk about uh, Gaza and the situation in Gaza, and in fact reference a UN report that says Gaza is going to be unlivable, unfit for human habitation by 2020. Correct. Um, can you talk to us uh, further about that? Well, yeah, I mean, the, it's, that's when I use the word cruelty. I find it utterly unimaginable that... Um, Politicians the world over, but let's talk about the Australian politicians, can turn a blind eye to the, uh, to the attempt to um, strangle almost uh, up to two million people, half of whom are children. I mean, I was, I was uh, there in 2006 when the elections were called, and uh, much to the disappointment and surprise of the West, 
Hamas won the election, which against uh, the Palestinian Authority, which everybody, every international observer there said was it was fair. And so such was the West's belief in democracy that we immediately uh, colluded with Israel in imposing the, um, the siege of Gaza. Uh, the cruelty is unimaginable. I mean, there, I mean, half of it looks, half of Gaza looks like a mound of rubble. The agricultural land is destroyed. You, the, the, the water is uh, largely undrinkable. The hospitality of the people and the spirit is, is amazingly sustained. They're, 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 it's, it's, it's indescribable. It's almost as though um, the so-called civilized people in the West want to make of Gaza, beautiful Gaza, a concentration camp. Mm. Um, Stuart, I want to ask your views about the issue of the Palestinian refugees and the continued suffering of the oldest uh, refugee problem in our modern history, the Palestinian refugee issues. And now we're heading towards uh, 70 years of Nakba. It's going to be next year. So I want to hear uh, your uh, views and your reflections on the continued suffering yeah. of yeah. refugees worldwide, whether in West Bank, in Gaza, in Jordan, in uh, Lebanon or Syria. Now we are uh, witnessing the, uh, the refugees who become refugees again after Syria. Sure. Well, well, I mean, you're absolutely correct that the, the Palestinians have had the longest experience of being refugees. I mean, most of my conversations with refugees in those camps in Jordan, in uh, uh, Lebanon in particular, um, finish up with a statement, we only want to, the chance to prove that we are human beings. That's what they say. And how, how the world, how the West... Uh, refuses to respond to that humanitarian request uh, leaves me in utter disbelief. That's why I wrote that article. Um, I think on the basis of, uh, uh, you know, a, a minimal uh, gesture of humanity, we should be doing everything possible to um, close those refugee camps and allow the Palestinian people to come home. Yeah, and and Stuart, I mean, one of the, one of the um, most uh, the scariest word anyone can levy against a country or a people is is the charge of genocide. I mean, and you talk about that in the forty eight UN Convention on the Prevention of Punishment of and the Crime of Genocide in your article. And uh, interestingly, and I hadn't actually heard of um, Stanley Cohen, but you talk about his uh, uh, he's a Jewish social analyst, and he says uh, that um, these acts have been perpetrated by Israel seemingly with almost proud boast and no accountability for almost 70 unbroken years. I mean, it's a tragedy beyond, beyond imagining. Sure. Yes, I mean, again, I mean, there's a lot of, there's, uh, there's a lot of um, fear among the political elites to even use the word genocide. I mean, nobody should, nobody should use it without great care, which is what, I, which is what I've done. I mean, I, I spelled out the criteria of the UN Convention. And, and used used evidence from from um, Israeli from Jewish human rights organisations to establish that that's what's happened. We've tried to uh, attempts have been made to uh, not only ethnically cleanse but virtually destroy and eradicate a people. That prima facie is genocide. 
Yeah, it's sickening. Now, um, Stuart, you talked about the, uh, before we were on air, about um, some media that, or some SMSs and letters sure. you've received from, from Zionists. Can you talk to us about the sort of... Um, Intimidation. In, yeah, and, and, and the, sort of, the sort of tactics used. Well, I, I, I can give lots of examples where the mainstream media, whether it's the Sydney Morning Herald or The Age or the ABC, are scared stiff to air the kind of pretty reasonable views that I've put forward in that article or in other articles. I mean, the, um, the stat, we only have, one only has to think of the um, prosecution of my colleague, my successor, Jake Lynch, by an Israeli, an Israeli law firm who came to this country to mount a prosecution. It couldn't happen the other way around. So, uh, I, mean, I mean, people have written to me today to say, why didn't you put that article in The Age or the Sydney Morning Herald or the Financial Review? Well, the answer is that they, they, just <laughs> they, publish it. they wouldn't publish it. No. Um, they're, they're scared. <laughs> they're scared stiff. I mean, we, we had, I mean, we had all that evidence in the, in the, um, in the Hannah Nishrawi affair, but luck, uh, affair. But luckily, at that time, there was a, there was an Australian uh, journalist, Alan Ramsey, who was the most powerful political correspondent in the country, and he he supported Hanan, he supported me, and he exposed the hypocrisy and the um, the deceit of the people who were trying to stop her coming to this country. But out there, there aren't many, there aren't any Alan Ramsey's left. That's the problem. I just wanted to touch base too, because I know that uh, we spoke about the lobby being so powerful. Can you explain in a, in a layman's terms what the lobby does and how strong it is towards our politicians? Because I know a lot of people, you know, don't think it's there, or if you talk about it, you become an anti-Semite. Okay, just tell well, us your I'll, experience. You know, I'll give you two examples. One's very historical, one's current, and I'll try and be brief. I mean, at the time of the proposed partition of, of, um, of, of Palestine, 1948, Harry Truman, the, the American president, admits that he knew not, didn't know what Palestine was or where it was. Uh, but he received 134,000 postcards uh, advising him uh, on the issue. And they were all supporting the Israeli point of view, and not one uh, came from Palestinians. So that's one example of the one-sided lobby. I mean, but, but currently, uh, I mean, I've been in the state parliament in, in recently in, um, in Macquarie Street in, in Sydney, and the certain politicians there will tell me that the representatives of the Israeli lobby, namely the Jewish Board of Deputies, are, are there in force on a regular basis, whereas... whereas um, People like myself and some of my Australian-Palestinian colleagues are only there occasionally. So and not, not afforded the same level of audience either? Not, not afforded anywhere near the same amount of attention. I mean, the, um, uh, in, in the federal parliament, the celebration of um, Israel Day or the celebration of support for Israel takes on huge proportions. Um, and uh, the... The respect given to uh, the Nakba, the Nakba, is, is is pretty small by comparison. I mean, it's getting bigger. 
Now, this drives me to the next uh, question, uh, Stuart, about uh, the popular or the society on society level. Uh, uh, now, you have you, you have spoken about uh, on, on official level, political parties, mainstream media, but uh, I want to ask you as an Australian, a member of our society, where do you think the Palestinian issue uh, is now? And uh, I want to hear your views on that. Well, I, I mean, obviously, uh, on the positive side, there has been a sea change in public understanding and opinion. I think from, from Operation Cast Lead to Operation Protective Edge, suddenly or slowly, the, um, the Australian public has begun to take the side and understand the Palestinians' point of view. So they're in, 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 in political terms, there's a shift towards an understanding. But in terms of um, affecting foreign policy and affecting the, the, the interests of the political elite, there's still a mismatch between what the public thinks and what the politicians are willing to do. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, the, that's, that's where we are, I think. That's the gap. Now, um, Stuart, Netanyahu's here on invitation, is coming by invitation from our government between the 19th and the 24th of February. There are actions all over Australia protesting his uh, um, appearance. Why do you th- what do you think that we should do? And why well, should we do it? Well, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, this is, in, in a way, we have to do what the, what the protesters in America are trying to do over Trump. I mean, everything is going to depend on numbers. Everything is going to depend on, on, on size. So, in a way, having 20 protests with only, you know, two or 3,000 at each isn't in, in, in the, in the, uh, the one-minute piece of attention that the main news uh, people will give to it won't be effective. So I think we have to have uh, demonstrations so well organized right from, right from now that um, are overwhelming. I mean, I'd like to see ten to 20,000 people in Canberra. Um, and, uh, that, and, and similar numbers in Melbourne and Sydney, for example, so I think, it, I mean, it's a crude, it's a crude response I'm making, but I think it has to be in terms, terms of numbers. It's a bit like the, this absurd, this controversy that, that, um, about how many people really attended Trump's inauguration. <laughs> if, if, you, um, if you had an opportunity to talk to, you know, one or two people about why they should protest, what in a really simplistic way, why should we protest Netanyahu coming yeah. to Australia? Well, I think we have to say, first of all, we believe in universal human rights, and this uh, this man does not. That we believe in the principles and language of non-violence, and this man is committed utterly to to uh, violence. Um, and thirdly, that we believe in the principles of common humanity and the conduct of um, of this uh, Israeli prime minister is completely contrary to that in fact it's a commitment to a massive uh inhumanity and um you know if i if i was given a microphone for 60 seconds that's precisely what i'd say we well, just had it thanks so much yeah you're free for that uh, we'll get you down to do this <laughs> okay. now to our listeners in in melbourne on the 22nd of february wednesday night at 6 p.m in front of the state library that's our action in melbourne so please join us there. Once again, thank you so very much, Emeritus Professor Stuart Rees. Thanks for, for joining us today. No, well, thank you for uh, the discussion. We should, we should continue it.
to the end of this week's episode of uh, Palestine remembered thanks for uh, being with us and uh, remember to tune in next Saturday 9.30 in the morning until uh, the end of the episode I'll leave you with Ahmed Qabour and a song from the Lebanese Civil War Yasetti and until we meet uh, next uh, Saturday have a great time and salam You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.